Hello. Oh, hi. Hello. Hi, Jake. Hey there, James. How's it going? So good. And welcome you, dear listener, to Praise Dionysus. (gasps) Praise him. Praise him. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. It feels good. Baby girl. It feels good. Today, we're going to be talking about Wolf Play at Red Stitch Actors Theatre, Silly Little Things by Silver String Productions, and The Naked Magicians. Why did Silver String Productions make you giggle? Uh, because I think I said it a bit fast and it sounded almost like slurred. Silly little things. My mouth doesn't... Silly little... Hit the T's harder. Yeah, what, is that what it is? Yes. Silly little things. Yes, don't be afraid of making your lips look like scrunchy and mean. Silly little things. Yeah, and t- t- hit the T. S- silly little things. Great. <laughs> uh, so excited. Can't wait to talk about yeah. all this stuff. Oh my god, so keen. All these little things. Nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's been a while. It has. It has. <laughs> it's been like almost a month. It has, but but for, since what? Since you and I have literally seen each other. Today. It's almost been a month. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because you yeah you fucked right off. I decided I was done with you and I went to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ran that far away. I and did. gave up that quickly. I notoriously hate Sydney. You that's do. Why you I, have I, a little song for it. Uh, garbage town, full of garbage people. Yeah. Sorry if you're from Sydney listening to this podcast about theatre in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> and I'm not signing off on that song. I just know that James has it. Jake, <laughs> you you were the one that came up with that tune while we were in Sydney last together. That's because it's, it needed a tune. Otherwise, it was just a chant. Just a hateful chant. That chant has more of a scary sound than song. Yeah, it just sounds like you're trying to instigate a rally, whereas a song sounds like, oh, maybe the ensemble <laughs> would join in. Everyone should join in my song. Yes, I, Trouble. I enjoy it. And I'm here in the city. Yes. Garbage town. Um, it's still a garbage town. There's a lot of people in Sydney that I like a lot. Sure, the people are fine, some of them. Um, a <laughs> lot of hills. Lot, a lot, a lot of hills. Oh, you hate it for lazy Fucking reasons. Fucking hell. Like, everywhere you go. Public transport, you get off, it doesn't seem to matter what sort of public transport you use, you still have to walk 15 minutes to get wherever you're going. Right up a and hill. And it's all uphill. <laughs> all of it. Um, that's my impression of Sydney. That's, <laughs> that's what I found. Uh, yeah. That's... <laughs> But it was good. Yeah? Yeah, it was lovely. We were there for five days. Okay. Uh, we packed a lot in. We saw Who three. did you go with? I went mm, I went with my boyfriend, Flynn. <gasps> did you, where did you meet each other? In Sydney. Oh! Yeah, we, we met on the plane. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, we're sitting next to each other. How fortuitous. Very fortuitous. <laughs> Flynn and I have been together for nearly two years. Oh, my! Yes. <laughs> I've got to have my finger more tightly on the pulse, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where you should put your finger. Um... Oh. <laughs> Up your bum. Oh my god. (laughs) Hi, we're 14 year olds pretending to be adults. It's been a while. Um, So we saw three shows while we were up there. We were there for five days. Mm -hmm. Packed a lot in. But you you went there for gay stuff though, didn't you? We went there for gay stuff. Went there to catch the tail end of Mardi Gras for World Pride. Yes, yes. uh, Which was like a fun experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't like the clubbing scene in Sydney. I don't know if it was World Pride or just the clubs we chose to go to. Do you like the clubbing scene here? I, I do. I like circuit. Okay. I'm a simple man. I mm-hmm. like a simple club. Oh, you know, sure. and the ones in Sydney are too complicated. Well, they just seem feel too much like, and this is ironic. They feel too much like circuit parties. 
You know, where it's just like a okay. bunch of like white gay men with their shirts off, just a sort circuit, of. I thought circuit parties were like we all turn up and just have sex in a line. I, th- I think that's a part of it. Okay, I think like a, I think, <laughs> but that so, wasn't happening at these clubs. Well, I think it would have if I stayed longer. In my mind, it's like a sexual line dance. It's like <laughs> dun, 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 dun. if you let your partner line by the butt and then you <laughs> spin <laughs> around and you pass them along. <laughs> I think that is very much the vibe of a circuit party. Oh, great. But my, my <laughs> understanding of circuit parties is that it's mostly like, you know, buffed off white gay men who are all like muscly with their shirts off. Good for them. They're having fun. It's not my scene. And having that many muscles is hard. Oh, my God. It, but, you know, that's what the crowd was when we were up there. So I didn't enjoy that side of it. Okay. Uh, but the shows we saw were great. Mm-hmm. We saw um, Hubris and Humiliation. Uh-huh. We saw Choir Boy. And we saw Blessed Union, all of which were terrific, all of which I will not be talking about on this podcast. Great. (laughs) Because what is Sydney? Sing it for me, girl. Garbage town! (laughs) Full of garbage people. Terrific performers, though. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Uh, And then we went to Byron for a week. Byron Uh Bay was lovely. Uh Uh, Did nothing. Just sort of did some nature walks and slept a bunch, which was so nice. Did you ever have that moment where you were like looking around and being like, we should move here one day? Oh, the first two days? Yeah, we were like, how can we make this work? And then we stayed for a bit longer and realised that it really is just an old hippie town that really hangs on to capitalism. Oh. Like, it's, 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 it, I would not want to live there. I'd like to live there, like, if it was like, no, I would not like to live there. <laughs> no, no. It's, just, okay. it's not my place. Sure. Uh, yeah. It is, a, it's one of those places, though, that so many people describe as being like their spiritual home. And that's why it's a bit, that's why I don't want to live there. Because so many other people like it? Yeah. I want to be somewhere people hate. No, I think I just... I think I just, we ran, the amount, like, I, I, what I don't, I don't want to say things that sound hateful towards people. You've already said so many things. I hate most of the people in Byron Bay. I just, oh my God. I just, I I think it's something about it that feels, it is so much of a tourist town. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just full of tourists of which we were to, you know, and I wouldn't want to live somewhere that is just that full of tourists, Okay, you know, because it feels like less of a. A place to live and more of a like a, a like a sliding door situation, sure. door situation. You'd want to be in that sort of town if it were more like if someone new came to town, everyone would know about it and judge them at the bar. You see, that's more fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We don't um, take kindly to your folk. <laughs> whereas it seems they take kindly to every folk, which is great <laughs> for them. <laughs> taking kindly is a decent public service. <laughs> I'll be taking kindly, thank you very much, and not be giving it to you. Oh. You like that wordplay? Sort of. I like the idea of kindly being something that can be bottled. And I've taken. never said it was bottled. Well, that's the only reason. I'm only scooping way- it up in my hands. <laughs> It's like a little putty. Uh, how are you, Jake? How is your time without me? Um, bliss. <laughs> Take me back. Oh, okay, yeah, I should have seen that. Um, no, fine. No, like, relatively, no, fine. A lot of, like, introspection. Like, it wasn't your absence that caused a quietness and a solitude. It's just mm. the thing where it's like, um, as I sort of, like, spoke briefly to my cousin sister's pal to at my, like, <laughs> what, like, niece's your birthday. Your sister. Oh, your cousin. Your I know sis- these words are complicated. Who is like a sister to you, not your cousin's sister, because that would just be your cousin. I just as clunkily explained this event in the last episode, but it was my niece's birthday and I spoke to one of the people there about 
being in those like moments in your life where you sort of just have to like turn off some of your emotions and just like soldier through knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that you're yes, in. Yes, I know. Um, you know, and not necessarily a depressed tunnel, just one where it's like your your capacity to have the things you want all in your life at once is quite limited. Mm. And at the moment it's for me just like having to work a lot, having to go to school a lot and there not being much room for anything else. Yep. Um, which is one of the reasons I'm very grateful for theatre at the moment. So it's just like, no, so in the last like couple of weeks or so it's been very much just feeling in that tunnel which again yeah has caused a lot of like introspection and like time alone and that sort of stuff to happen mm. which you know <laughs> is great and terrifying have you given <laughs> any thought to like making yourself a more likable person <laughs> I've thought about it but then like where would I start <laughs> I can't replace job. all of my qualities with new ones you could I, but you should I, but, but then it'd be some sort of lobotomy situation you know and that sounds like it would tickle yeah I can do it with a screwdriver and a hammer alright well I'll <laughs> I'll draw up some diagrams and we'll see what we can do <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Virginia Woolf I didn't realise she killed herself by walking into a pond with rocks in her pockets I thought she put her head in an oven um, I think that trigger was war- so- trigger warning suicide trigger warning Virginia Woolf death <laughs> yes. I think uh, I think that was Sylvia Plath uh, okay I knew it was one sad lesbian poet uh, good <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm. Um, yeah, but wait, how did you learn about that? From from, from your podcast from that I listened talking to in ah, Sydney. From I listened to that on the plane from Sydney to Byron. It was a really nice little journey for me. Oh, good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I, I very much against the rules of the moth. I don't know who's familiar with that, but I'm, if you'll cast your minds back to a few episodes ago, I fell in love with the cowboy there. <laughs> yes. That one of the rules of when you do the, that, you speak at the, one of the story slams. It can't be a story that happened to somebody else. It has to have happened to you. So I'm going to break the moth rule for a moment I hope no one minds Um, a thing that happened to my father quite recently (laughs) he got scammed (laughs) okay you're laughing no no it's only funny because he's very much like if I got scammed and told him he'd be like Jake you dumb cunt (laughs) oh terrific let's rip him let's get him so it's like he was sitting at his computer and he gets this phone call from these people and they're like hi we're your internet provider could you just we think your internet might might be running slow do you want to go just like go to your computer and like (laughs) and like go to this little window you click on this like tab or something and it will tell you the speed of your internet and then he does this because they tell him to and then they're like oh and he's like oh it's this number and they're like no that's way too slow we can we can fix your computer you should go to this and he goes to this website they're like okay just and the yeah the people on the phone are like okay you just need to give us like this information this information this number this account name and he's like doing all this but like all right yep yep that's yep has that done it and it's not until he can see them physically like they're moving things on his computer screen from wherever they are. Oh, I imagine in some sort of like, I don't know, enchanted castle or like a dark cave. Quack, Probably quack. just an office, quack, quack. Maybe just an office. Maybe just at all in just like one really small apartment, you know? Yeah, true. Yes, it could be is... anywhere. Yeah. It could be in a school. <laughs> That's the terrifying thing about computer villains, you know? No one knows where they are. No one knows. Well, we know and, they have a computer. And it wasn't until he started seeing like the computer moving of its own volition that he was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I've been duped. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. He's been, but yeah, he got bamboozled. Oh um, my god! Yeah, no. And so then he had to, yeah, he did that classic freak out that we would all do of like pulling everything out of the wall ah. and like calling all the money people. <laughs> like, did, did he get? Did it? No, it seems like he's relatively unvictimized in terms of what oh. they were managing to get their little hacker fingers on. But this is a warning for you out there. Trust no one <laughs> ever. <laughs> Jake Stewart story. That's it. Close all the oh, bridges. Oh, Craig. Okay. Well, yep. I, I'm glad he hasn't gotten money sucked out of his accounts. Sure. Off. Yeah, or anything else. I'm glad that nothing else. True information. Info. In, yes. It's all about information. God, every time people talk about data being stolen, I'm like, what do you want to know? <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Like I don't think any of my information. But then again, isn't it like it's not like it doesn't matter to me. But across the board, it's mm. it's it's good for them to have. It's good for them to have. I suppose I did read that Jaron Lanier book that was like tw- it was like twelve reasons to delete your social media accounts oh, right yeah, now. Yeah. And a lot of what it talked about was like the danger of data collection not really being like. The, the, the peril of them knowing things about you, but the fact of how easily, how easy we are to manipulate and mm. us being able to, yeah, have choices made for us without us believing that they have been made for us. And that is a perilous thing to it's give to somebody. It's been happening more and more to me recently where like... I what have you bought? bought? <laughs> well, I went and bought a phone case recently. Okay. But I was, but I was like talking about phone cases with Flynn earlier. And then we got home, watched YouTube, like three phone case ads, like in, in like a row. Right. And it was just bizarre. Or like... I was like scrolling on on uh, Instagram and I was listening to Lady Gaga and like two ads for like Lady Gaga merchandise popped up. Oh my goodness! And it was just like enough to be like, oh, this is getting a bit scary. And like, that, there's a world where that is helpful. Oh, but totally. then it's like, uh, but you look at that and it's like, that seems like it's the most like in your face, explicit. Like, oh, this is a clear connection to like. Obviously, these websites mm. are talking to each other. Yeah. But then you worry about like how far down the chain of like how many things that I didn't know were being curated to me yeah. have been around me, and how is that steering me like a ship in the like night? your entire internet experience is tailored to you, mm. which is at equal parts terrific and mm. terrifying. I watched a video by Tom Scott on YouTube. I think his name's Tom Scott. He does really good like interesting like video essays on different topics. And one of the ones he spoke about was like AI being like the dawn of like a new age of like technology and information. Okay. And how terrifying it is that we're not sure if we're at the start of that big sort of incline or we're sort of nearing the end of what it's capable of, but it feels very much like it's at the start. Like okay. it's very similar to when the internet sort of started out and like suddenly phone directory people who wrote organized and wrote the phone directories lost their jobs and mm. like uh, delivery drivers and things like that, and all these people lost their jobs entirely because the internet stepped in, and it sort of feels like AI is going to be doing a very similar thing with the internet hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh. When and also, are... like, the internet is likely going to be so exponentially fast. Like, I can't imagine, if we're heading somewhere disastrous, I feel like we're going to get there very quickly. Very quickly. It's happening so fast. Yes. Oh my God, the things that AI is already doing is very scary. And you know what's something that I like about AI? Is that it's a fun thing to shout when you finish it, like a fun dance. I. <laughs> I love that it doesn't complain and I don't need to pay it. For what? Making art. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So you don't have to keep poking those painters you keep in the basement. You can just ask the oh, AI they're dead, to. Yeah. They're, they're, dead. they're dead. It's like, guys! I poked them too hard. <laughs> the AI can do it. <laughs> and you. Guys? I poked them to death. Guys? <laughs> oh, they died first. I didn't say oh, I'm done with you now. No, no, they died sometime in the past. I forgot to poke a hole in the wall and they. Oh died. no! Yeah, it's like that Simpsons episode where like like Bart's in the factory gutting all those fish and he's having a really great time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Knife goes in. Yes. I don't know why I'm enjoying the idea of you opening your basement hatch. I imagine there's a hatch more so than a door. I thought it was just a room, but yeah, I guess it's a basement. It's a basement and there's all these painters in there that are generating this art for you. Yes. And then you've just decided, don't need you anymore. Then you somehow get a fireman hose <laughs> and then you're blasting the hose into the basement and they're trying not to die from drownings and whatnot. Why and would then- I drown? I don't know. And then they keep bobbing up trying to get out and like you keep poke them down. No, you, well, in my stick. mind, you keep like booting them back under the water. Oh my god. I know it's really scary. Jesus. I know. Yeah. I just poked them to death. That's more humane. So I don't know why my mind was in the mood to create something so horrific. But you did. I suppose maybe they're evil artists, you know? Like maybe they uh, used to be Nazis. Hitler was a painter. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to. 
Um, well, we've done the thing where we eventually speak about Hitler. So yes. should we move on to theater? Um, Rate your last three weeks. Um, my last three. Oh God, my last three weeks out of five stars. I suppose I will give the the. I'll give them four thousand and eight stars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that is my father's pin number. <laughs> Not really. Don't try that. <laughs> get in. Get in, boys. Uh, what about you? Me? Yeah, rate oh. your little gallivant. I'll rate my Sydney and Byron trip. I'm going to rate it. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Ooh, numbers are hard, aren't they? Nah, for some. For me. For dogs. Four. Because that was how many planes we had to get on. God. To yeah. get there and back. Yeah, to get there and back. It was like one to Sydney. One to Byron, and then on the way back it was one back to Sydney and one to By one to Melbourne. <laughs> I, you know, right? Okay. Places. Four stars. Yeah, great. Do you want to talk about talk about some fatter? Might as well. All right. Hello. Hi. 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 We've already done this. We've said hello to each other. I went to Red Stitch, the Actors Theatre. Oh, the Actors Theatre. I thought you meant just. Thread. <laughs> no, not this time. I went with Handsome Henry. Oh, yes, I know Handsome Henry. Handsome Henry. Yes, we yes. Went, yeah, so we went to see Wolf Play, which is a play by Hansel Jung. Um, it's directed by Isabella Vedavalu. Gorgeous. Yeah, great. So went there, went inside, sat down. <laughs> he um, said aggressively. So I did, take that. Uh, I need to flag immediately that, um, in, like, full disclosure, Harry Hogan, mm-hmm. sweet, sweet Harry Hogan, she right. did the lighting design, and Sam Diamond did the set and costume design. Oh my god, what a team. What a team. And that's just two of them. But yeah, those oh. two sweet angels from heaven. Great. Um... Yeah, and I just wanted to flag immediately. I go, let's just start with the set because that's the first thing that we see. And it's like, so, <laughs> I feel wow. like this is going off to a very sudden rhythm. But it's I like, how theater works. Just, I like it. <laughs> but you know how um, there, there could have been a red curtain hiding the set from us at the Red Stitch Theater. They could have added a, like a curtain. Curtain mm. rods aren't that tricky. Disregard how many holes there are in my walls. <laughs> but they can be very simply put up if you know what you're doing. There's a lot of holes in the wall. There's enough to have gotten the job done. How many holes? <laughs> More than you'd want. <laughs> um, why are you making a gross I face? I I was going to make a gross joke. About Go holes? On. Yeah, about holes. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> um, great. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to say, so the set itself was like a, like, kind of like, a dining room in the center, sort of like more of just like a dining table in the middle, and then like a conventional, like you know when you see advertised, like I don't, you've recently been like looking for a house, yes. When you sort of like see like a modern-ish apartment that kind of just has one of those kitchens that is just like against the wall, sure. I mean, you're describing like, a table against a wall. No, no. So like, there's a t- there's a table in the middle for like eating breakfast, yeah, and then like oh, a galley like, kitchen, a galley kitchen, like where it's all just against the wall with cabinets above it. Uh, yes. And then, like, you, so you can go from, like, cooking on the stove, mm-hmm. and then if you turn, you're just in the open living room. Yes. That that's kind a, yes, of thing. That's a galley kitchen. It, that's, it's a galley kitchen. But the twist on it is that everything's blue. Ooh. Ooh. Good yeah. twist. Good twist. Right. <laughs> you I said Sam was going for a twist. But yes. Yeah, so, so I was, like, firstly just impressed. of like, wow, Sam and whoever helped Sam really managed to make everything the same shade of blue. Great. Which was Wait, satisfying. I thought Sam was a uh, sound person. Sam doing the set. That's Sam Porter you're thinking of. Yeah. This is Sam Diamond. Oh, <laughs> I got so confused. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I was thinking of Sam Porter. But I do yeah. love Sam Diamond just as much. Just as much. Yeah. Do you want me to say more? No, I'm glad to keep those two Sams <laughs> in the same heart bag. Big That's one. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Sam Diamond. Okay, yes. Sweet yes, Prince. Yes, yes, now I understand. Sam does sound. Yep. Sam Diamond set. Yes, that's why I was confused. <laughs> Made everything blue. How impressive is that? That is impressive. <laughs> oh. Let's move on. Okay. So yeah, the show starts and then it's like this monologue that begins. 
And I quite liked it. Like, especially like an opening monologue, I feel like I'm designed to be a bit like, oh, shut yes. up. <laughs> you, do, you do tend to reject that notion. I don't mean to, but it's just like the thing of like, somehow, <laughs> and this is a bias that this play made me reflect upon, among the other things that I also reflected upon, but something about like, for me at least, in terms of the likelihood of me really responding to a text and being ready to enter into it fully, uh, it's uh, like, uh. if you're going to start with a monologue, something about me... And the jaded part of my theatre viewing brain goes to, like, immediately picturing the playwright sitting down to write the play. Sure, okay, so that's... And, a, okay. and, and imagining this monologue to be, like, the first beginning of, like, the creak of words that is going to emerge from their, you know, their mouth. Sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a very writer view of... I suppose, yeah. and that's the thing that I don't like about myself, but that's always going to be the way that it happens if a monologue opens a show that isn't just a one-person show. I mean, it makes show. sense for you to look at theatre like that. I suppose. But fortunately, this monologue was really beautiful. Oh, great. Um, yeah, and it kind of, like, occurs twice, sort of, in the show, in ways that I will not spoil the show by explaining <laughs> further. But yeah, it had, it had some really beautiful things in the way that, like, it, it alluded to even just ideas surrounding, like... The, the thing that I'm, I believe that we've spoken about before, where it's, like, part of what I really love about language and theatre and language especially, I guess, is that in my mind, as much as I completely believe in the power of witchcraft, yep. I feel like words are the most concrete example we have of, like, magic existing and working, like, in the way that you can completely change someone's world and their outlook and their emotional state mm. and their sense of things by just saying the right things to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like that, totally. that can upend everything, and that's kind of... And the, what, like, the, the beauty of this opening text kind of reflected on that and theatre's capacity to be that type of transformative and also about the power of language in the first place. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah, so that Great. was super nice. Yeah, and, yeah, and the, the... Yeah, and you can Wang, who is, like, debatably kind of the central figure in the piece, uh, delivered that. Piece. Oh, great. That's, that's one and all the publicity, right? Um, I didn't see very much publicity. I think... I've seen, I've seen publicity this, this person in places. Yeah, that's the one. That's oh, yes. One. So, yeah. yeah. That gentleman. Right. Who was also in... Remember... It, it was it like Variations or Exit Music? The name rings a bell for me, yes. It was at La Mama... And I was sitting next to James Robertson when I saw it, and it was, like, about going through a breakup, and it was, like, four gay guys being sad in a white box. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that does ring bells. Sure. Well, I yeah. didn't see it, but no, you did. I did. <laughs> um, and then, sort of promptly, the plot starts unfolding. So Jing Xiong Chan is playing this woman, um, and... And... So then... <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, I'm so... You know how <laughs> there are words we try not to use when we're talking about a plot happening? It seems I just, to be. I... <laughs> Felt my mouth try to use all of them at once. Great, exactly. Maybe it's fine if you use them all at once. That's no, great. it's not because that's what happens. Say something I want to hear. It. No, no, no. So, so um, so then the it, uh, yeah. So he's come to understand that now what happens is Char Charlie Cousins plays this man named Peter who comes to the door of Robin's house, this 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 woman's house, um, and it's like oh, and then when we work out, we we work out that like she is adopting his son. But then what we also start to learn, but what we learn is that she like bought him off Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you know how Yahoo exists. Yes, I know. Okay, <laughs> so explain more the moral and ethical conundrums of that. Well, that's kind of what the play is, like so, the moral and ethical conundrums. When you say bought on Yahoo, my brain goes to oh, it's a silly play. But is it like a very? <laughs> is it like a like a serious? Like what would happen if you bought someone on the internet? The well, the tone of the play is very like. Dun, dun, dun. No, that's too. You no, can't too see gothic. that he's doing a serious pose. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to make the sound of like a Dracula movie. <laughs> um, it was less that. It was, was more, it more like la 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 la. It was more. It was more of the sort of tone of like you know those like dramatic plays that you see where there's a constant drone in the background. Oh, my favorite like, kind. The whole yes. time it's just like. Dun. 
I love a dramatic drone. Sure, yes. I do. <laughs> I, I love them. Oh, good. <laughs> well, that's the tone that this show had. I okay. They also had American accents. So was the buying... Okay, we'll get to the accents. Of course. Like, the buying on Yahoo, was that like a... Was it like presented as like a, you can buy anyone on Yahoo? It was like a, I can't believe I managed to buy someone on Yahoo. Well, the way it gets explored is kind of the thing of like, it's kind of like from both sides. Like, especially as the play gets towards its end, it's, you start seeing more the two sides of the situation between like these two struggling parents who have sold their seven-year-old son and this couple that's desperate enough for a child that they would turn to Yahoo to purchase one. Why not eBay? <laughs> Why do they make it Yahoo? Um, what? It's not a real question. I'm oh, just sure. Joke. <laughs> um, okay, interesting. That's an interesting premise. That's I agree. Yeah, that is mm. interesting. And then like to add interesting to interesting Go with on. stagecraft, which is a fun way to do it. <laughs> um, the boy is played by a puppet. I love a puppet. You love, love a puppet. puppet. Do they do they treat the puppet like in any way? Do they reference that it was a puppet? No. Terrific. Terrific. Magnificent. In terms, in that that is more magnificent than what. Than like getting like an actual little boy. Oh, definitely oh. easier. Or like casting like an adult to play the young child. I think a puppet as like a character is always great. Okay, great. I'm always for a puppet. That's good because literally, like you know, I'm I, for a long time been staunchly anti-puppet. In mm. many ways, I still am. But then getting to know this wonderful puppet maker, yes. I'm like you know what. He's made some really good points and just and knowing some him. some really good puppets. Really good, made some really good points and puppets. Mm. And caring about him and hearing the things he says has brought me around to in many ways appreciating puppets. Was he involved in this puppet? No, he okay. had nothing to do with this puppet. Okay. But um, but interestingly, and the puppet itself was like faceless and just kind of like the, the very like... Oh, I was about to <laughs> use a puppet that I made as a year seven student as an example of a puppet, what which would help nobody understand. Was it, was a, it was a prostitute. <laughs> Like, 40% of all the other students at this boys' school <laughs> made Osama Bin Laden puppets, and I made a prostitute. <laughs> what was the song that you sang? The song that in I the sang? Bora, Tora Bora in the Bora. The... Uh, uh, <laughs> Osama's hiding in the Tora Bora caves. <laughs> Magnificent. <laughs> While everyone in America is trying to be brave. Jesus, that's a good song. It's that's not really, song. but yes. No, but... Uh, so it wasn't an <laughs> Osama Bin Laden puppet. Problematic year seven puppet. art aside. Yes, no, no. It was like a... Like, if you just imagine, like, if you were a year seven student and you were given just, like, as much sort of like canvas fabric as you wanted and then you had to try to make that and you got like a bunch of elastic bands and like stuffing mm. and you had to just make it into like a colourless oh that's great puppet boy great that's, that's is kind of the look of creepy. it sure that yeah, goes yeah. with the drone goes with the drone and as one of the things I spoke to Handsome Henry about afterwards is like the way that it featured in the show as well like it meant that you could it, it very much fed into, as the themes of the play also do, which I guess is why it's a cohesive element of the, the construction of this piece. Yeah, go on. Um, is the idea of like, and we talked about it a bit when we were talking about Pops, that Midsummer show that was the daughter and the father, mm. and the things that they said to each other and the fights that they had in the ways that, um, in the way that Pops and Wolf play um, well exemplified, and Wolf play enhanced it by having this like faceless, characterless puppet. Yeah. The things that we project onto young children, especially like children that not that I have children, but the idea behind the uh, like having a child and the things that you hope for them and want them to be, mm. and the way that you can also like cling to the idea of their potential more so than liking what they become. Yeah, totally. Is something, and that's just one of the many reasons that having this like faceless, almost like like largely colourless blank slate of a child, blank slate of a child, like you can just throw your own thing onto it. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. 
Yeah, and it also like it, it even just like logistically and artistically removes that 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 thing that you briefly kind of seemed like you were hearkening to of like if you get a real child, <laughs> you have to deal with having a child. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, you'd rather shuttle that down. But then you have to. Yeah, no, you can't. I, I'm curious about all the laws around child actors because it, it it seems like so difficult to get children involved in theatre. Sure, like in like big productions. But if Paulini needs to tell a story to somebody, you need to get at get least six that of them. Kid in there. <laughs> Oh, Break whatever laws one. you need to. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So then the play... So then at the same time, the... So... And then it's like... And then after that, um, we get to meet Brooke Lee, and they are the partner of Robin. And Robin sure. is the more maternal mother that initially receives the child, and Ash is the sort of like a more reluctant... And Brooke is playing Ash? Brooke plays Ash. Okay. The partner... Yep. Yeah. Of, of Robin. And yeah, and, and they struggle more with... The pressure to feel like they like maybe have to be a bit more maternal than they naturally are. Oh, interesting. That kind of thing. Um, and yeah, which is an interesting thing to witness. Like it's nice. Like there's like a number of scenes between the puppet and Brooke playing Ash. Of uh, I just like those scenes where it's like a, a, like a cold adult or like a yeah like a cold adult dealing with a child because I think that resonates with with me more than like. Susan Sarandon hugging Jenna Malone in a big luscious bed, you know, in which terms of from... like, uh, which is from Stepmom, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yep. which is my, where my mind goes when it comes to like soft nurturing mothers. It goes okay. there or to Laura Dern and Little Women. You know, these are the options that I have. Pick a frame of reference. I don't know either of them, but yeah, 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 you're right. Definitely more. It's always more interesting watching like vaguely sort of either villainous or cold people come to terms with emotions than, like, people just having emotions. And But I, I think a lot of people wouldn't feel that way, and maybe it really? says a lot about us. I think so. I think people that have, like, more... Especially given that it's, like, the, the socially, ex- like, expected thing that we're all wired to, like, small children and puppies. And it's like, I can't really tolerate oh either of those God, things. Idiots with their puppies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, don't tell me a story about your dog. I will pretend to care, but you won't believe it. I don't pretend to care. <laughs> you see, and we're the freaks. We're the we're problem. the freaks. <laughs> we're the outcasts. Um, yeah, and at the same time, <laughs> Ash is being coached by Robin's brother to be a good boxer. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, There's so a lot going on. These in are the show. things going on. Great, um, I like it. They have accents. We don't need to dwell on it, but it was fun. I especially enjoyed Kevin <laughs> Kevin Hoffbauer's accent because it was like it was one of those times where it's like he had this energy that existed outside of everybody else's, and I loved it because it was oh. they yeah because his accent was like especially and I don't have the knowledge to be sure of any of the things that I'm about I to say. I was about to ask what sort of American <laughs> accent are they doing? Almost had the energy like I'm walking in. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I loved, and I enjoyed it being on stage all the time because it I was just excited to then get to imagine what it would be like if everyone vocally tried to match the world he was in like it all was very cohesive but I just enjoyed the idea of everyone just shouting that way I want to see a play and I'm sure they exist of everyone talking that way I'm sure David Mamet has turned out something that's essentially what you I just described you could make a show like that as well I could where it's just purely a vehicle for that sort of accent and and yeah I enjoyed him because he yeah like Kevin's performance because it was like a nice because he like runs a gym and is a personal trainer and is coaching a boxer so he's and- the one doing the coaching yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed just watching the way that he performed masculine. I always find it really interesting people performing elements of hypermasculinity and that you type of thing. A bit of masculinity. I love a lot of masculinity, yeah, you, you know, do. especially artistically. In life, yes. less so. Less so, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, but yeah, but also a large thing as well. It's called wolf play because this child believes himself to be a wolf, and so. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so yeah, so throughout the whole thing, like Yukin is 
exist, like he, performing as and oftentimes puppeting this puppet, but saying the things that this child does say or would say and teaches us things about wolves and the way that this child is or isn't a wolf. Sure. Okay. To Okay. Yeah. Which is just an interesting component that, yeah, remains interesting and kind of unpinned down. Does and it sort of hark into that sort of like wild child thing? Like those children that sort of grow up in the woods without any parents, but they're raised by wolves? It can. That's the thing. It's it's left quite wisely, I think, by the writer, open enough to, mm. again, much like the faceless child, to project onto it whatever you believe adds to the story that you've experienced. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like an additional ingredient in the, 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 like the thought salad that you get to have by the end of the piece. Mm. Yeah. Um... And that's the experience. And then it's like, yeah, becomes about like parenthood and becomes about family and becomes about, yeah, the, 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 I don't know how, and even like it becomes a bit about like the legal element of what being a parent is. And because of course, like the father starts thinking about whether or not he wants the child back after giving it away. And like, sure. and then what he does or doesn't do in order to get the child back. Like, mm. that's what the play ends up being about as well. As well as being about Ash's desire to be a boxer. <laughs> Anytime sport gets incorporated, I always get a bit lost in the fog of it. <laughs> sure, what do you think the boxing storyline was sort of like trying to get across? Or well, trying to do? Well, throughout the entire thing, there were like those box ding, like those boxing dings throughout oh, the terrific. whole piece. Okay, great. So that was something which reminded me of, it reminded me of the MTC production of Cock. How that whole thing was... Because you saw that production. I did not. And the entire thing, because like part of the reason that the play is called cock is because it's kind of like a cockfight. Mm. And so the set itself was just like a big sort of semicircle stage covered in cushions. But then the lighting of it, especially when it got to like the larger conflict towards the end, was underneath these really intense, almost like... Like, you know those big spatula lights around the MCG? Yep. It's like those sorts of lights coming down. and, and, And that production like didn't use any set or really many props at all. It was just a lot of like... You know, people being these like angry sex chickens just trying to kill each other, you know. So that the the boxing bells in this play almost added that kind of energy as well. Yeah, great. I love I love that. I just I love boxing bells. Y- you do? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it either. Just because of what it makes you think about. I think I like any time, as we've spoken about before, a story is sort of broken up into bite sized pieces with a like not necessarily a ding ding, but like something that makes you go, oh, good, next. I, th- I always appreciate that. Okay. I, pre- I appreciate just things being like... But, oh, okay. I, 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 maybe it's the... And t- things feeling chapterized. Because I'm young. Young and I'm a TikTok kid. Maybe I appreciate things being small and bite-sized. Uh-huh. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Right, right, right. Because you're so youthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giggle, giggle! <laughs> um, yeah, and so th- there's a, a, a piece of text towards the end-ish... Sort of <laughs> about doesn't matter when it happens, but um, the, the the this discussion of the idea of like this very sort of like charmingly simplified idea of like we go through life and we have to get through the us <laughs> to get to the fuse. <laughs> Is that from the show? That phrase? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's from me taking a very complicated sentence and being like, "How me explain to James?" Oh, that's an <laughs> line from. Well, I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah, but it, was, was, it was it was it was also based on their experience of watching the Power Rangers. Oh, see, that's how you're gonna connect to this. Well, just that colors a lot of the show. If you is that real? Is what real? The Power Rangers. Yes. Which oddly, me and Handsome Henry were talking about before the show. <laughs> okay, that is weird. That's the algorithm. That's the there it, you go. That's the internet. The algorithm has you. implanted the Power Rangers into me and Handsome Henry's heads. That's why we were talking about it beforehand. And then it was in this play. I feel like you should have mentioned the Power Rangers earlier because that colors a lot of the show. The Power Rangers aren't prominently featured in the piece. Okay. 
So what? To, okay, I guess I'm confused now. To what element? Uh, to what? To what? How much of the Power Rangers influenced the show? How much have they done that? There's apparently I didn't I don't know the theme song. The theme song gets used one time, and then the Wolf Boy uses the Power Rangers as a way of exploring the idea of getting through the dark times, believing that there will be a good time at the end. Okay, sure, sure. Getting through the oh to get to the. Yippee. Yes, which which is the state I'm currently in with my life predicament. <laughs> I feel you, brother. So, you know, yeah. that was resonant. Um, but yeah. So Keep calm and carry on, dare I say. Dare you say, good, well dared. Thank you. I did, <laughs> I did it. Um, yeah, no. Do, do you have any questions that leap out in terms of what anything else you'd like to know about this show? I guess my big question was when you sort of threw the word Power Rangers at me. Um, that, was, that was my major question. It's why I brought it up that. late in the game. Yeah. Yes, really. That's a curveball. Uh... No. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. No, it sounds like you've, you've you've illuminated all the things that we can without spoiling stuff about the show. Sure. Um, my yeah. questions would be like, did they get the kid? Does the kid die? Like these sort of things. Interesting, isn't which, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you're not allowed to answer. <laughs> no. Um, but no. But I did have a question for you oh. about like. <laughs> So there, are, there, I could ask you obvious things of like, what do you think of adoption? Would you ever adopt a child off the internet? Yes. Have you known ever anyone to adopt someone off the internet? Mm. But I'm not going to ask you that. Terrific, <laughs> thank you. What I'm going to ask. So the little puppet boy mm. <laughs> believes himself to be a wolf. Mm-hmm. Have you, like you in your current state, I'm aware apparently that you have had a boyfriend for quite some time. I have, yes. But in a world, whether or not you choose to do this hypothetical with or without your boyfriend, Percy. Uh-huh. It... <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this. He's my child. No, 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 no. I don't know how to phrase this correctly. Um, Then maybe what? What? (laughs) No. In my mind, it's an interesting question to ask, but I don't know how to ask it like succinctly. If you were to be attracted to a person who was an animal, what animal would they be? Yep, that's succinct. I get that. Okay, Um, sure. Oh God, my my mind immediately. I don't know if this is my mind immediately goes to um. Kovu from Lion King 2. But I think that's because I was attracted to an actual lion. So I don't think that is the answer to your question. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say... So are you saying like... I'm Okay, okay. I need to clarify the question. So in the emotional <clears throat> state that you are currently... So current day James... Yes, yes, that's not the qualm I have. Great. <laughs> Good. You are you right now. Yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually living that. Um, so My question is... <laughs> yes. Am the person that I'm attracted to, am I? are they... Pretending to be an animal, no. or do they have like the the energy and the like the sort of like if an animal was to be turned into a human being? I think even like imagine that people are animals. Okay, but again, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I th- and I think yeah, the thing you're saying of like if 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 some witch was like. Now you'll all become the things that you are. <laughs> oh, you know? okay. Yeah, so yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone is the animal they are. That, that witch really clarifies right. things for Witches me. Witches often Thank do. Wit. What um, animal would that person be that you would be most attracted to? Oh, boy. No, I'm going to say something. Probably, I'm trying to think here. Okay, try to think. Probably a numbat, because that's what I think Flynn would turn into. A numbat? Yeah. What's numbatty about Flynn? A num- he, well, he he loves native Australian animals. He's obsessed with numbats, <laughs> and he acts very he acts very much like like a little skitterish rodent sometimes. Okay. In an adorable, very nice way. Sure. So I I guess my 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 answer is a numbat. Okay. What about you, Jake? Um. I don't know. I feel like any answer currently from my mouth would <laughs> ring alarm bells. I, th- I was th- th- thinking about a it. A blood-sucking parasite. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking 
um, today about this question and my potential answer. And the thing that I kept coming back to was like, I kept deciding that I wanted it to be something like, that I could get lost in, like almost like the whale that swallowed Pinocchio. I wanted it to be something that I could almost like live inside of. <laughs> huh. And I felt uh, that made me realize maybe I'm not really ready for a relationship <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I think when you're hoping to be swallowed and eaten and killed by something, like I wouldn't be killed, I'd be like warm and safe. That's in That's not there. how animals work. No, but this, that, that, but Pinocchio was fine. But it was like Pinocchio that, was a little wooden boy. Like yes, but even like even like a giant squid that I could just like live in the tentacles of, and I I think that harkens to a desire for a yeah. level of like codependency or a level of like you make all the choices and I'll just hug you. <laughs> oh, I get it. That's me though. I understand that. But yeah, I I I I don't like feeling that way. I think I'd rather be like in the mood to love like a like a like a like a stallion. Like a wolf, like a little wolf, I think. Oh, yeah, wolf. I, from, can't say from wolf. The play. No. I should say, oh my god, it's the algorithm again. You oh got me thinking wolf, I didn't realize. Oh my god, the mental algorithm. Oh my god. No, I so I don't want to <laughs> love a little puppet wolf boy. I but something um oh like so like scraggly and sweet. Even like a little peacock. <laughs> Peacocks are not scraggly. Ah, I got like a dirty peacock. Okay, I didn't that, realize that's my answer. If a I dirty the next peacock. the next time I'm in the mood to love a dirty peacock, I know I'll know that I'm in a healthier emotional place. That sounds like a sex thing. Maybe it I is. gave her a dirty peacock. God, that lucky bitch. You like that? <laughs> Zorda. <laughs> um, and I'll just say like one last thing, like because of like the direction the show goes and does sort of like start treading into the water of like the legality of child having an adoption and all that sort of thing. Mm. It was really lovely to be because like sitting next to handsome Henry, who has worked a lot and works currently still in like family law and does deal True. with like like adoptiony family dynamic-y stuff. Oh, that it was it was really to say. Yeah, it was really amazing and interesting to get to sit next to a person because because even when the play was like dealing with stuff that me not being a parent, not having bought a child on the internet <laughs> that we know of. You know, like not struggling with yeah, with like a, a relationship that my family explicitly does not support. Like even though there were so many things that were like ringing bells that I've heard in my own home, it was amazing to get to sit next to someone that deals with the themes directly in their life and kind of then get to talk about it with them afterwards as well. Totally. And th a... that too was like another way in for me to know more about like Henry's life and experiences. So it's just like theatre. <laughs> Is it just like theatre? It's just like theatre. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's a unique little opportunity. Yeah. It'd be interesting to sort of, if you, if you want to go and see a show and you sort of had like an idea of what the show was, if you then like tailored your guests that you were taking to see these shows with mm. to fit that every time, I wonder what sort of conversations you'd have in your life. That's really interesting. But it also makes me think of like the opposite thing of like taking someone to a play mm. and then it ending up being about something that the two of you do not want to talk about. Sure, <laughs> sure. Sure, but it would still spark some conversation. It would, or it would spark a lot of like, let's both sit super still and not make it seem like we're understanding how this relates directly to our current predicament. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. You know, yeah, 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 you've yeah. never been to a play with someone with whom you shared tumultuous subtext. <laughs> I've been to see cabaret shows where people sang songs about how much they hate me. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up one of my favorite artistic <laughs> memories. <laughs> and we will not elaborate on it. Oh my God. Flutter, flutter, flutter. Oh god, is there a moth in here? Bang, bang! Oh my god, a big moth? That's a club I used to kill a butterfly. Oh. I went to the butterfly club! Oh my god, great. Uh, <laughs> um, I went to the butterfly club. Yes. And I saw a, a one-person show. Great. I love a one-person show. Is that your stance currently? It always is. 
Re- oh, great. I agree with you in the in the way of sort of like this. Okay, so this was one of those shows, and it's something that we keep coming back to. It's like if everybody had to make a cabaret mm. or like a one oh, person show for what themselves. What a world that would be! This was one of those shows, like just putting your life on a stage. Yes, and just like picture it. it. The Craig Stewart story. <laughs> I got <laughs> hacked by phone people. Do you think that would be the story he put on stage? It better not be about his perfect son. It'll make me too embarrassed. Uh, I didn't know you had a brother. But um, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Ooh, that was oh, quick too, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, so I went to see uh, a show at the Butterfly Club by myself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Silly little things was the name of the show. Fun. Uh, How did you pronounce that? <laughs> it's hard. It gets stuck at the sides of my mouth. Silly little things. Great. God, that sounds like I'm speaking through like a window pane. I do want to fix this. Yes. <laughs> Could you? Oh, you'll be able to say it if you say it like a mean British villain. You silly little things. Yes. There we go. There it so is. I went to see Silly Little Things. Yes. Uh, uh, written and performed by Lauren Ags. Great. And directed by Shanima Nuga. Uh, yep. Wandered in. <laughs> oh. <Go> on. <laughs> Move, I'm Wanda. That's the name of the character. Uh, sat on down. Full house. I think it was like second last night of the run. Cool. Full full audience. Amazing. I sat next to people. I was like, do you mind if Alona sits next to you? They said it was fine. How big of them? And I sat down. Uh, <laughs> I would have said No. <laughs> no sads here. <laughs> I wasn't sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was proud. <laughs> Too proud they and kicked me bra- out. <laughs> so, f- first thing to say, and this had no reflection on the show itself, the audience was just all beautiful. Like, everyone in the audience was so beautiful. Yeah. I, don't, I, I just felt like I needed to mention that. I think it probably reflects on the company that Laura Nags keeps. <laughs> no Agos. <laughs> no Agos for Laura. Um, and fair enough, because Laura is also beautiful. Unrelated to their art. But Great. It's, an, it's something worth mentioning. Uh, so yeah, as there, there, there seems to be some sort of theatrical cult developing for the hotties. Yeah, and I'm excited to have been in the audience and been a part of it. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so if you start hearing me nagging around the place, that's our new leader is Lauren Ag. Oh, she's in charge of the she's cult. She's in charge of the cult, I imagine. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, because she's an electric performer. Oh, great. So she's involved in Silver String Productions. She's one of the people involved in, like, curating the shows there. Okay. And she's one of the people pulling that string. Why are you pausing? I'm just upset that I didn't come up with that. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty good. So Lauren Ags, um, gotta get out of the way. Just infectious energy. You know when a performer comes on stage and you're just immediately... What? <laughs> no, immediately infected. Immediately infected. <laughs> yes. In, with their energy. Great. Yeah, so, which is real make or break for a one-person show. Oh, golly, yes. Oh, golly. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I was sitting maybe four rows back. Okay. Uh, on like, in the middle of the aisle. In a sea of hotties. In a sea of hotties in the upstairs space of Butterfly Club. Yes. And yeah, so the show <laughs> proceeds to be... Well put. Thank you. Uh, it's a slice of life about the about um, Laura sort of just going through life and experiencing a lot of anxiety and dread about daily life things like we all do she's living in like a shitty little apartment uh-huh. she's working at a florist shop that she's a flower shop that she's opened up herself that is failing oh, no. she's ignoring calls from her mother she's going out and trying to party and dance with her friend who we'll get to in a moment <laughs> who I'm excited to talk to you about who is sort of like has an adult job and has sort of moved on from their friendship and like her life for all points is sort of like collapsing a little bit. Beautiful. Straight away, this cabaret has two things that we love. It has dancing on stage like you're in a club. Yes. 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 The shared... What is it called? The, the, the shared nightclub the shared universe. Night, yeah, yeah. The, the, the S, SNU. The shared, shared nightclub, nightclub universe. universe. Oh. 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 Welcome, everybody. Come dance, baby. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I'm a shared nightclub, bitch. That's shit. Great. Thank you. Um, and gotta say, nailed it. You know, yeah. some people just cannot dance on stage like they're at a nightclub when there's no nightclub around. Literally, I find it hard to find someone that fails at it. Because really? I think there's room in a nightclub for everybody. Sure. But how do you think people fail often? Often I think there's, there's just like, I know that me personally from experience doing it. I, I on get, stage. On stage. Because yep. in one of your shows we had to dance like we're in a nightclub. Yes. And I I always was like caught up in my head and I felt like I was too like, God, the audience is looking at me, make sure you look cool. But that's how you've described dancing in a nightclub before. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. I think Jake might have, might have opened your eyes to something. I think I nailed it. I think I was perfect. That is too often your takeaway from things that people say. <laughs> okay, so Laura nailed dancing in the nightclub. Great. The second thing, sincerity stool, bitch. Sincerity stool. sincerity stool. For those of you who don't know, a sincerity stool, you can imagine someone having like a really deep conversation about like lost love or or I want to say AIDS, but I don't want to say AIDS so abruptly on this show. Like pulling out on a stool, sitting down and having a real deep and serious moment. Tends to happen about three quarters of the way through a cabaret or mm. a one person show. Mm. And it's being goofy the whole time. Mm. But then Robert Maplethorpe gets AIDS. And so we pull out the stool. Oftentimes there's a spotlight. Mm. And we've got to be serious for a second. And I'm going to tell you, the sincerity stool was used multiple times as a sincerity stool. Fantastic. Love it. Oh, Love it. Think it's yes. terrific. Think it's terrific. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go through some highlights that I really loved about the show. Uh, there was one moment that, that made me laugh, laugh, laugh. And, and I, I want to unpack why. She was at a dance at a nightclub in the shared nightclub universe. Yes. Oh, having a dance... <laughs> Um, and so her friend is sort of like not come out. It's her, she's just, Laura has just broken up with her partner and is sort of like celebrating being single and clearly nothing is going right, but she's out and boogieing. Hmm. She tries to convince some friends to dance with her, tries to buy them shots. They leave, has this really great bit where all of that happens very quickly. And then there's all this music going and she's dancing. And then someone sees that she, what does she do to get, um, Oh, she tries to grab the bottle of vodka from behind the bar. Yeah. And then she's immediately kicked out and the music stops very abruptly. Mm -hmm. And she stands in the corner of the stage with like one little light on her and nothing Mm. else. And the music just stops. And suddenly we've just gone from like dancing, dancing, dancing to just a sad little girl alone in the corner. And it just made me laugh (laughs) because she didn't do anything for like like 30 seconds just sort of stood there mm. and the audience had this very audible like oh oh and then nothing happened and she was just standing in the corner and i don't know why it was so funny but it really made me laugh obviously it was the contrast between like the the loud club and then just being alone but just like the fact that she just let it sit there was very i thought a, a nice moment mm. of theater yeah um characters let's talk characters because yes. it's a one woman show but baby there be characters in this show. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, is she playing the characters? Is she just responding to them? Is she, like, describing stuff? It's a bit of both. Okay. So, um, often she is just sort of, like, talking to them, and then she will turn around and just embody that character. Which I think is... It's such an old school and sometimes, like, considered to be overdone thing where people just sort of turn around and be the character, but I think it's just great if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And she did it right. The first character that enters the scene... Is Kara, her Irish friend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did it seem like she was only Irish so that she, that Laura could do an accent? Yes, and I loved it. Yes, that's I the best it. reason I to really do one. I loved it. Um, I should say, I'm not sure. I, 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 I had to run off because I'm in the middle of moving house, everybody. Uh, so I had to run off after the show to continue packing before the moving van. But I wanted to ask how much of this was inspired by 
lore is real life, how much of it was sort of made up. I, it feels like elements of it were probably pulled from real life. So I'm wondering if Kara, her Irish friend, is a real person. Uh-huh. In which case, that's why she had the character. But otherwise, if you can do a good Irish accent, which Laura Nax can, Great. you find a reason to do the Irish accent on stage. <laughs> um, and it was like a real sort of serious person as well. Like it was very sort of lilty like this. That's pretty. So pretty. Um, <laughs> so that character... Also, her her neighbor down the hall, Jude, uh-huh. who's an old lady who keeps like knocking over things on her back porch. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but the ability to sort of embody these distinct characters is just always something that I find interesting. And I know that's what acting is, and I know that's what people do when they go on stage. But I think if you can do it well, it's always a skill. Cool. Yeah, but the crux of the well, I guess there's there's a lot of different threads to her life falling apart. But one of the major ones is her dating life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of like um, the the escapade she goes on there, I won't spoil the story, because it was quite like a emotional gut punch to one of the stories, which I wasn't expecting. I was sort of expecting this to be a bit of a silly, goofy show, but it did have a lot of serious moments that did... Well, that's what the sincerity stool's for. Well, there you go. Well, I, I spoiled that for you, because, yeah, the sincerity stool came into play quite a bit. Ugh. It was also used as, like, other props. Like, that was the only set piece. Like when she tamed a lion? Have you seen the show? <laughs> How often did she tame a lion? Enough. Enough. No. <laughs> um, no, but like used it as like steps to represent her being upstairs or, you know, things. Sure. <laughs> things I've seen things stuff. before. <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar? <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, but with, the, with the crux of it, sort of one of the major storylines was sort of her dating life. It sort of made me think about we having been alive for a while now, not super long, but a while, we have seen shows and and particularly one person shows that do discuss dating and dating lifestyles. Are you and I the we? You and I the we, but yes. also you, dear listeners, I'm sure have also seen lots of these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting to sort of look back and realize because this show I was thinking as we left is sort of like a perfect little time capsule mm. as well for like what dating life is like then. Uh, aside from being just a regular time capsule theater, but like what dating life is like, and we get to sort of go back and see that how dating has changed throughout the course of these shows representing dating. Okay. How do we get to go back? Well, if you were to like find the script for a show that is like a one- oh sure, like these are a good like physical record of the way dating was. Well, they at are this a time. Good, well that exactly, but also how lucky are we that we get to see. Not just dating, but like the way dating is perceived and presented, displayed on stage, mm-hmm. and sort of watch that organically change over the past decade of theatre. Yeah. Like, especially with the advent of like dating apps and like how dating is so streamlined and quick nowadays, I think mm. is so different to what it would have been 10 years ago. Sure. When it was sort of like more, I remember seeing shows about like chat rooms and like, like vaguely pre internet. Um, You've thing. got mail. You've got mail! And I want a mail. <laughs> um, do you remember the first sort of one person show that you saw? The first one the ever? The first ever. Not necessarily like the actual one, but the first one you remember. Can you can you hearken your mind back and remember the first one person show that you saw? Jesus. Or like the first one that sticks out in your memories. Uh, yeah, sure. The, the first one that sticks out in my memories is M. Rusciano in like the old Butterfly Club venue before they moved. 
Um, oh, shit. I, I was 20. I think it's the first one I can remember seeing. Um, and I was dating one of her backup dancers. But mm. I believe it still counts as a one-person show because it was like her doing a cabaret and she just had two guys dancing behind her during it. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, and it was her... I forget the premise. I think it was about her wanting to have a child, maybe. But that might be me just like stringing together the wrong memories. Um, I remember... Wolf plays in your brain. <laughs> it's the algorithm. Um, and... I remember that she originally her closing number was her lip syncing to something, but then she got feedback and then turned it into live singing instead. I remember that there was a lot of glitter. I remember that Dylan was very well dressed and I remember being really impressed by her voice because I'd only, I recognized her from television or something. Mm. And I remember thinking that she was just like a TV personality, but then she had an amazing singing voice and stage presence. And she was the first person that ever, because she sang Pony, that genuine song in it. And she was the first person to ever insist to me that that song is wildly sexual. Oh, sure. And she's obviously it's right. It's a very sexual song. But that, that was my first real time of like really experiencing that song properly. And having a woman explain to me why it's so hot. Because she did go through and like pick apart lyrics and talk about why different parts of it are so deeply erotic. Oh, great. <laughs> that, that, that's the, the it was the, perf- stuck with you. the perfect introduction to Pony. <laughs> <laughs> if ever there was one. There, there was, and I was there. <laughs> yeah, you lucky duck. Yeah, quackity-quackity. I guess mine was, yeah. I'm trying to remember, I think it was, I cannot remember what it was called, I cannot remember the performer, but I remember it was at MTC. Yep. I remember, I think it was in the Playhouse. Okay. And it was like a one-woman musical about like... A woman, a woman who lived her life and sort of like worked a few jobs as like one of them was like as a cleaning lady and she sort of met all these celebrities and, and singers and she would then at the like, White House at the White House at and the was, White House and it was called yeah. Pennsylvania Avenue and she played Eartha Kitt and she sang If You Go Away oh, it's a Joanna Murray Smith play maybe that is the and she was in charge of like like instigating meetings between the president and celebrities I don't remember the White House bit Okay. I remember her, I, I seem to recall she did an impression of Eartha Kitt, but I'm not sure. She definitely did an impression of um, Billie Holiday. Okay. Um, I seem to remember she was just a cleaning lady. Just a cleaning not lady? just a cleaning wow. lady. She was a lady who cleaned, <laughs> and she didn't work at the White House. But maybe I'm just misremembering, but I remember being blown away by her voice and her... And the, yeah, well, the, maybe there were just two plays with similar premises. I mean, it's a good premise. Sure. Be a bunch of singing ladies. Um, I would love to see Laura Nag sing. I have a feeling she has a great voice. I just feel it in my brain. Okay. You, you know when you see someone, because she's got everything else. She's like an incredible charismatic energy mm. that I just sort of inherently trust and, and is able to sort of behave in a way on stage that feels so natural and at ease, but at the same time sort of then play these characters who are very clearly... Um, not not even caricatures, but just like are so distinctly not her, like mm-hmm. down to the mannerisms. Um, and I would like to see her sing. So, Laurie, if you're listening, <laughs> I want to see her sing. <laughs> Do it. Good. And you are the Sultan, so she yes. <laughs> <laughs> she better come and sing. Um, yeah, but I want to. I just. One thing I'll say about the Butterfly Club, this is nothing to do with Laura or, or Silver String Productions. Perfect. I have had a cough... Every time I've ever had a coughing fit during a show, it's been at the Butterfly Club. Okay. Cough, cough, cough. Are you blaming them? I'm, I'm just saying you could dust. You're, you think it's too dusty? No, I'm, I, I think it's a coincidence. But I have had a coughing fit, like, a suspicious amount of times at the Butterfly Club. Okay. And it's like, it's always during, like, the sincerity stool moment. Is that when you coughed this time? Yes, and I'm sorry, Laurie, if you heard me, but I was, I was like, it was. I managed to stifle it, but I had to. The way I had to stifle it was like 
clutching my neck and almost ripping my trachea out. Uh-huh. Like, it was very much like, I need to get in there and, like, like physically manipulate my throat so that it doesn't itch anymore. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm sorry to the people next to me if it looked like I was about to rip my throat out. Yeah, also we're post-COVID, well, we're in COVID, so also there's that anxiety to contend with. A man <laughs> sniffed, like, in my face today on the train. You people are a scourge. You people are a scourge. <laughs> <laughs> You know who you are. It's yeah. you, James. No, <laughs> the scourge. No, I was coming. It was a coughing fit from dust. Yeah, sure, I don't know that. If I were one of the well, hotties sitting that's around why I was you, stifling my coughing. That's good I of you. But you know when you get a coughing fit, and you can't stop it. <laughs> Laura, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you came around to feeling bad. But before then, it was the venue's fault. <laughs> <laughs> if I can blame someone, I will. But that one was on me. Gallant. Thank you very much. <laughs> But yeah, I just wanted to say, I get it. Like the... the <laughs> that's not enough to say. That, what do you, that's it. What do you get? Laura knows. No, just like the the actual <laughs> messages of the show, the sort of like, your job's falling apart, the thing you sort of tried to do is falling apart, your love life's falling apart, this is falling apart, and capitalism is crushing everything we do and climate change is coming. Like that sort of feeling of just... that. I feel like that is more and more entering into the theatrescape, and I'm wondering if maybe it's always been in the theatre world and now it's just taken on a different face, but that sort of desperation of just... The banality of life being such a crushing force and causing, like, literal panic attacks in you is something that I I, I, I always just resonate with and I feel like everyone resonates with well, because it's, that's how life works. Well, even you saying that, like, it's amazing how wonderfully similar that sounds to that Darby James one-man show that Will Hall was in. Yes. Which, that, based on that description that you just rattled off just then... Same themes, same undertaking, same sort of story, but from like a, you know, a, a gayer man perspective. Yeah. No, yeah. But yeah, no, I'd say it's certainly contemporary. Like those themes specifically, mm. uh, quite in terms of the urgency with which they are being conveyed and the extent to which it's weighing on us. Like, I think we've definitely taken steps away from like, even since seeing Curveball, it seems like we're getting to the point where it was like Curveball felt very post-hope. And now it seems like everyone else too is kind of like moving in this direction of like, global warming especially and yes. capitalism like we are teetering on this brink of like the point of no return kind of in both of those yep. different Sandals situations Smith's birthday was the big one for me that was like yeah this yeah. is it yeah. <laughs> it's, it's and just it's gonna like, happen uh, and it's like uh, who's gonna do something because mm. I don't know all we can kind of do quite rightly is like tell stories about it and console each other as we like, like clutch each other through these end times well and, I, and not to spoil anything but that was one of the major messages of this sort of show and like this show didn't even particularly deal with climate change in a huge way but it is interesting that that sort of post-hope feeling has entered shows that aren't even specifically about climate change it's the just, idea of just like at least we're going to do it together yes literally that yeah. exact message mm. Yeah, and like if we're gonna have a shit time, we might as well just sort of be nice to each other. Sure. <laughs> Jake, do you wanna be nice to each other? Not right now. Fuck you. Fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> James. Yeah. I went to Ringwood East. Oh god, that's further than Ringwood! <laughs> I think. It's Easter! It's Easter. Not yet. No. Ugh. Our Lord has not risen. Hasn't even died yet. Hasn't even died? Well, he died it's a long just, time ago. His death is just a twinkle in Judas's eye at this point. <laughs> and then they kiss. Um, yeah. I, so I went to Ringwood East, which is a fine place to go. It sounds good to me. <laughs> yes, because there's a place out there called Karalika. Yeah, I saw. So Jake has the program for Karalika's Their like, season, season program. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks amazing. The cover has a little shiny bit on it's it. It's got like lenticulia bits. Lenticulia? Oh, lenticulia. Isn't that like the lenticula? Lenticulia is like that. that lenticula not, sounds more like a word. It does. It's, I've been saying it lenticulia my entire life. It's almost it's holographic. Not, holographic is the word. What's you, lenticula? You, lenticula is, is all lenticulia, which I still think it might be. Uh-huh. Is that thing where like you hold it and it's like... 
you move it around and it changes what it is. Like it looks different from like different angles. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Like you think someone's pretty, then then you get close and they go. Ah! Yeah, like what you experience <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh. Um. So I went to Karalika in yes. Ringwood East to see the naked magicians. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Were they make? Were they naked before? Or were they naked? Like, do they get naked in the show? I'm not going to spoil the goddamn oh, show better. for you. Wait, James, why are you texting? I'm looking up how to spell lenticular. Lent- it's lenticular. Lenticular. And how, how do Shaped you... Shaped like a lentil. <laughs> I don't think that's what you mean. I don't think that's it at all. <laughs> Carry on. I'll, I'll look that up later. But now we know that lenticular means shaped like a lentil. You can use that in your next piece. I think I may. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so Mike Tyler and Christopher Wayne are the naked magicians. There the, they are. They're the titular magicians. I'm looking at them now and they've got body parts. There's a, there's, here's a photo of them. Yes, that's yeah, what they look like. They've got yeah. like the, the, the abs. They're both handsome Australian men. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, and they've but, like been to like Las Vegas and such. Like they've toured their show around. In... Okay, that gives them more credibility than, than before. Why were you going into this without giving them credibility? No, no, not credibility. Just like credibility as magicians. I mean, not the naked part of it, but like magicians that have never travelled, I don't trust. <laughs> Local magicians. Please, you're a one-trick pony. <laughs> Where have you even been, magician? Ringwood East. <laughs> and just Ringwood East. No, they've been to Las Vegas. No, I, no, I believe it. Go on. Again, there's nothing wrong with Ringwood East. No, again, that's what, it's fine. Ringwood and also, East that fine. being said, I did have to get three trains and a replacement bus to get there. Oh, we love Ringwood East. <laughs> it's a great place to go. <laughs> and that was one way. I had to get the same thing that in was reverse. one? That was to get there. And let that be known. I will get a replacement bus to see magic. <laughs> I will go to inner city plays. Jake will go to outer city plays. Yeah, I will go to places that, that feel rural. Works, yeah. I don't know how rural East Ring, like Ringwood East is, but it feels it. I met a woman. <laughs> I met a woman. Is there more <laughs> Wet. So I got to Karalika, and then while I was like waiting around for the show to start, this woman hobbles in on crutches, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, "I love being described as hobbling." <laughs> well, you got, there's a level to which you can like fancily saunter on crutches. It's all about the energy. Jeff. Even like I don't know, even Laura Dern <laughs> couldn't make crutches look incredible. Uh, Laura actually heard you say that, and she's really offended. No, I'm <laughs> I'm saying she's the pinnacle of grace. Who is the pinnacle Laura. of grace? And Hathaway named Grace. Nicole Kidman. She could be the pinnacle of grace. Meryl Streep, surely. Grace, really? Grace, absolutely. Elegance and grace. Elegance and grace, Meryl Streep. She's got more of a scrappy vibe to her, doesn't she? Yeah, like a no, dirty peacock. I hear it. I hear it. Like a dirty <laughs> algorithm. Um, yes, but yes, this woman comes in and she's on crutches, hobbling but in a graceful way. <laughs> Introduces herself and says that she can't get to the box office because she can't use the stairs due to the crutches. Uh-huh. We later discover there is an elevator. A very accessible building is Carolica. Ringwood East. But yes, no, so this is all to say that I went to the, like, the box office and collected her ticket for her. I didn't just insert this story to make me sound like a real hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then we started talking and talking about the fact of like, oh, this is really off the beaten track for me to come to this show. <laughs> mm. um, but, I, you know, I co-host a theatre podcast and that's what I'm doing here. Oh, cool. And then, yeah, and then she started, like, giving me really, like, cool advice in, in terms of, like, oh, if you happen to, like, go into the woods to see theatre, you should go to this place and this place. So, oh, great. Oh, my God. I got a real nice Watch list Watch out, office. regional Victoria. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> Jake's <laughs> coming. <laughs> Jake's coming. Especially if you've got a, a magician's hat. <laughs> Speaking of. Speaking of, I'm still not super duper into magic. <laughs> No. They're not the performance style. Again, into witchcraft, magicians. I, I think it, magicians are more impressive than magic. Because as long magic as they've been out real. of town. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Obviously, yes, I just um, said that. Yes, no, I guess, as we've talked about before, I think maybe it's the energy of a classic magician that makes me oh, less totally. yes, welcoming yes, yes. to them. Yes. You know? Sure. Um, but that, that feeds into what's so interesting about this performance, I suppose, which we'll get into. But I yeah. hope so. <laughs> so. But then, yeah, but then as the audience starts appearing, I'm like, oh. Appearing? Well, it's like a magic trick? Part of my in, like interest in seeing this is like not just like I've seen a lot of their like promo. I feel like for like a year or so now, like yeah. I've known that these two men exist mm. and I've been intrigued for reasons other than gay ones about what their show is potentially going to contain and be about. Mm. Um, and for reasons similar to why I went to Fifi's Fifth, it was a thing of like, I want to go to this because I know I'll feel uncomfortable the whole time. Sure. <laughs> yep, you want to push yourself. I want to push myself. And the reasons like with, with Fifi's Fifth, which again was a very like fruitful, wonderful experience that I was very afraid off because that was like a full immersive five-year-old's birthday party yes and i all of that makes me uncomfortable and expecting to not enjoy myself and then but this um i was scared off because as i like reaffirmed for my for myself when i went and saw gods with Connor dario mm-hmm. i'm very <laughs> very not in like in a like a like a safe mental space when i'm in any group of people where the assumption seems to be you horny bitch <laughs> <laughs> I mean, naked magicians, that's a horny group of people. Yeah, like, I even felt a little bit of that discomfort when we went to see the full Monty in that, like, rural theatre that oh, we went sure, to. Oh, sure, yeah, that, that was, was any, that was any time. I'm in a collection of people where the assumption is, like, oh. <laughs> Get it on. <laughs> and they did. And they did. So I was like, okay, that is one thing for me to try to overcome with this show. Going by myself will just, like, enhance that fear. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also the thing of, like, me... Like, I understood this show to be very much geared towards, like, bachelorette parties. And yes. it's like, I don't know if you know this about me, James, but I'm not a bachelorette party. <laughs> I mean, some would describe you as a personification of a bachelorette party. Truly one of the nicest things you've ever said. <laughs> I meant it as an insult. That's part of the thrill of it. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, yeah, so all of these things were things that I was trying to overcome in my and on top of that, it had to be a solo road trip to Ringwood East. Three trains and a bus. <laughs> Three trains and a bus and a walk. And then the same thing backwards. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, went there, went inside, sat down. I was like three rows from the front. That was also part of the fear <laughs> because I was within like a participation range. Whoa. Yeah, 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 interesting, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Super interesting. And I was like quite on the right. So Let's it's like, get it out of the way now. Was there participation? So much participation. No! <laughs> It was very much like almost every trick was almost like, now we're going to grab a different person. We need to balance this on your penis. (laughs) Get your tits out quickly. Um, yeah, and so, but yeah, so then, yeah, the show starts, they keep going. <laughs> they keep going. <laughs> they go. So yeah, Mike and Christopher, they are these magicians, and they come out in, like, fancy suits, and they're like, hi, welcome to the Naked Magicians. Um, it starts with, I think is at the very start, which I think is a real cool power move, they did this, like, montage of different times they've been, like, featured on the news and stuff. Sure, yeah, okay, because I feel like I have seen them on, like, some sort of news program. A lot of their social media presence is them showing clips of times of they've been like interviewed by like Larry Emder and like David Koch oh, okay. <laughs> yes and then the host just being very much like nervously horny about it <laughs> <laughs> as um, you were in this audience I don't know what you're talking about I was there as a shrewd art perceiver <laughs> <laughs> um yes so yeah it goes on and then it's like a lot of tricks that are like the type that always I think the ones that are most my style <laughs> are the ones where it's like okay now like Think of like a like an animal, 
And now I am going to draw that animal on a blackboard and show it to you. How did I know what animal you were oh, thinking of? Oh, yeah, that's of? always impressive. Because I can't work that out. <laughs> no, neither can I. I can't. It's, like, they, people always say, it's like, it's just suggestion. It's the power of suggesting. You can't suggest an animal to me. <laughs> that doesn't work. If anything, it makes it more alarming, the idea of the algorithm conversation we just had. Oh, my God. Really? All it takes is for me to think of something and a magician knows what I'm thinking. Oh, my God. And also, God. I'm thinking that thing because the magician tricked me into doing it while taking their clothes off. Duped. Well, Duped. The clothes add an element that I understand. That, really? Taking the clothes off and be like, yeah, I'm more susceptible to believe what you want me to. You're easier to bamboozle when there's nudity looming. Oh, sex is a powerful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but hold on. Were there any jokes about the fact that it was in ring wood? In, how can you make a joke out of ring wood? I don't know. Ring like bum, wood like penis. You know, there's stuff okay. there. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shocking. <Okay. laughs> The East really threw a hammer. Don't let the the Ringwood civilians get like wise to that. They Come might on, move. Civilians. No, no, people would start moving in. And part of the thrill of the whole thing was like the energy that everyone had. Like <laughs> it was like people got so quickly comfortable with like turning to strangers and being like. <laughs> And like, even if this guy got on stage, he was like yelling at his like friend that had brought them and was like, fuck you, mate. Great. Yes. Great. Yes. Were they fully naked? I'm not going to spoil things for you, Oh, come on. I'm not going to spoil things. All I'm saying is they started off in full on like fancy suits and they ended in a different collection of clothes or none of them. But I'm not going to ruin it for you or for potential attendees at the Naked Magicians. <laughs> Three trains of us, people. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really cool time. Right. <laughs> and in terms of it being a show, partly because it was like strange. And yeah, so do you want to know anything more about the magic before I talk I'm about I'm definitely curious about the sort of tricks they did. Um, It was a lot of reading minds. Yep. It was a lot of that sort of like trickery, like where'd this thing come from? I wasn't holding anything, now I'm suddenly holding something. Oh sure, and naked, that's harder. I guess that is impressive for naked magicians. I'm only just now realizing the sleight of hand that they wouldn't be well, able to Well, a do. lot of like, uh, I think a tagline for a time or maybe still currently, I think a lot of like reviews that I've seen of their work is a lot of like people making jokes about like, they, they don't have anything up their sleeves on account of the sleevelessness. You no, know, I get it. Do you understand? No, I understand. <laughs> a lot of what I've seen of Penn and Teller is people hiding stuff up their sleeves. Sure. Like mm. in that show where you have to come on and tr- like try to trick Penn and Teller. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great show. I love that show. I know like a couple of people that have gone down real like depression rabbit holes of only watching that show for like two days. Jake, that's exactly how I watched that show. I think that's who it's for. Yeah, no, 100%. Like just binge watching Penn and Teller. It was on Netflix for a while. Okay. And like I was just sad and watched a bunch of magicians try and trick Penn and Teller, who I really like as a performing duo. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> just watching that show and thinking, well, I guess if, if he can do that. <laughs> then maybe I can clean myself. You know, like th- th- it can be done. Thank God for that show. I'm Thank sure God. it saved many lives. Thank you, Penn and Teller. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I guess something that it made me think about outside of like all the things that I've already mentioned is it made me think about why, like, uh, what, uh, there's just a lot of things I want to say at once and I'll try to say them in a row instead. Could you? The idea of like what it is about the show that is, (laughs) the way that it's obviously like, it's comedy, sure, but it's also like titillating, like mindfully titillating. Mm. It's like hot (laughs) it's also magic and it's two guys doing magic tricks and it's like that's a cool combo of things and i guess since seeing it like while seeing it and then on my like journey home my long journey home a lot of time to think and a couple of days since having seen it it's just made me have like a lot of fun dissecting the reason that the intersection of so many of these things is a fun thing to think about for me Mm. And I, I think about things with this show. It's like there being something in the idea of like <laughs> what 
like what titillation is in essence and with it being a comedic show the way that like sexuality and male sexuality and comedy happening together is an interesting cocktail to happen theatrically there's something for me that i've enjoyed thinking about in terms of like they're doing magic yeah which is impressive yeah but at the same time they're getting progressively more naked and the idea that them their capacity to prove their like power <laughs> and skills is at the same time having a divergent trajectory that is opposite to the amount to which that they are shielding their like physical privacy mm. and that diversion being an interesting like graph to witness. Totally. Yeah. Well, is there something also in the sort of like you've spoke earlier about how much you enjoy masculinity? Sure. There's something about sort of these two bros doing their show and getting progressively more naked and not being shy about it is a very interesting way of displaying their masculinity. Absolutely. And it's interesting, and it's also, like, an interesting type of hot, I think. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, like, even just in, a, like, a sociopolitical way. Not to be, like, the most boring guy at the Naked Magicians. Go on. But the, even just the idea of, like, still, I think, like, men naked on stage and in film, but let's talk about stage, mm. like, that's still too uncommon. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah, I, I think I, it's, like, yeah. The last time I saw a naked person, naked man on stage, or at least a penis on stage, would have been the full Monty. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I say just in terms of like, not even like the age old ratio of like women have to do it more often. I think even in the fact of like, it's, I think in my, like a really interesting thing to witness for so many reasons. And part of why this show is interesting. A part of why mm. is men getting naked on stage, especially when it's not even like behind a fourth wall. It's like, y- we're getting naked pro- for yeah. you. You are allowed to look at us and we are men taking our clothes off for you. Yeah. And that's interesting. That is a different dynamic. I hadn't thought of right? that. Right? Yeah. And, and in, in a way that it's like in today's culture, that is a significant thing to be doing. And even that too, it made me then reflect on like, to what extent, and it must be to a rather great one, like to what extent is that significant, especially because of the way that we have all been indoctrinated with our understanding of what the human body is, you know, because, and I'm still <laughs> very much have my mind stuck in ancient Rome and ancient Greece. Yes. The idea of like them being so accustomed to seeing naked men, especially around mm, the place. Yeah. Like a show like The Naked Magicians would have a totally different response there yeah. because they're accustomed to penises on the regular. Whereas... Lucky. L- lucky. <laughs> God, take but, me back. But... But nowadays, it's still quite a spectacle. It's like male strip clubs are less common than the opposite. Yeah. Um, Chippendales was made into a TV show. A bad TV show. <laughs> so you say. <laughs> with, I just found out with Brooklyn Beckham's wife in it. Uh, again, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting for that reason. Yeah. I suppose. Um, and then it, like, it also made me think about like, then the role of the audience and to the extent to which part of what is titillating about being there is somewhat reliant on this flimsy pretense of like but we're also here to see magic tricks <laughs> sure yeah it's not yeah you know and how much of that that little like i don't know that that small mask for us to as a character as an audience to hide behind mm. of like, it, it, like there's something to be said i think about eroticism in the way that there's like if you get the chance if you can sort of act as if you aren't just there for like the blatant act of whether or not it's objectifying a person or wanting to seduce a person or mm. wanting to get a person naked, if you can kind of act as if there's another reason that you are there and you're, that your intentions are potentially not fully what they truly are. That's almost hotter. There's some, that's the thing. There's yeah. something hot about the idea it's of like... voyeuristic. Yes, and mm. the idea of like, oh, if I get called out for this, I can be like, no, I just love magic. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the nerdiest thing you can say. No, I just love magic. Um, but like I think that, that yeah. there is a hotness there. Absolutely, and I've enjoyed thinking about that hotness. 
You know, of like not in like a horny way, well, like an intellectual. Horny. <laughs> I think, but I think it sounds horny because it is really hot. Horny and intellectual can coexist. They should. <laughs> they should absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess if I were to sort of like compare the sound of this show to the only other show that I've really seen with male nudity, which was The Full Monty, it like it is completely different because The Full Monty, the purpose of that show was the nudity. Like that was there was no veneer to hide behind. It was sort of like. I mean, but there's, no, there's totally a veneer because that that show is like there's only nudity at the very end and like a bit in the audition sequences. But you could go to the full Monty and be like, I'm here because I want to watch like a father son relationship and sure, watch yeah. lower middle class British guys. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. Come together. No, you're not wrong. No, 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 like, no you're right. I just I, no, yeah. yeah. But but it's it's another example of like if someone were to go to the full Monty just because they were hoping to see Wangs, they could easily claim that they were there just to see a down-on-their-luck British troop of guys gang together. <laughs> Which is always good to see. Of course. Les Mis. <laughs> um, but, I, but I guess then maybe, like, the... I don't know. I guess maybe you could privately have some version of what, the, like, this weird ephemeral thing is that we're describing, but maybe it must have been... Something about this concoction must have been enhanced because of how almost overt... The energy of the crowd was, mm. and I guess the intention of the work was. I mean, naked's in the name. Naked's in the name. All the promo material is like abs and top hats and handsome faces, you know. And yeah. I don't know, but it's yeah. Do I, you think you could do nudity on stage? That I could do it. Yeah, like me being the naked person. Yeah. If I was really into what we were doing, sure. Like okay. this, this is certainly like re like re inspired me to think about things that I think are so exciting about. The, like the naked form on stage and like naked men and the, the, the political element of naked men which as you know and many others know I find really interesting yes. in terms of a theatrical experiment mm. so yeah that's part of what I've enjoyed thinking about like watching this show and thinking about this show mm. it's reinvigorated my curiosity about some of these elements of it thank you naked magicians thank you naked magicians yeah and yeah and not in a way that like yeah and not in the way that it's like no, but as you're rightly saying, I'm even hearing myself being like, but I don't just want to make people like, you know, <laughs> super horny. Yeah. But as you were also saying, like, there's nothing wrong with making people horny. Like, I... horny is fun and doesn't mean dumb. Completely. And That's my slogan. Completely. Um, but, yeah, but then you really have to interrogate the purpose of the work you are making. And I think there's absolutely something to be said for not producing a strip show, but producing something where, like, <laughs> where it's, like, there's an inbuilt intention to, like... Arou- not arouse, maybe arouse the audience in a way that makes well, them think the thing, about. Like, why can't you? Why can't you make a horny show that has a message? You know, that's and even you describing that, it's like that's a really interesting idea because I truly don't think that I've seen one that's done that in the way that it was like overt about wanting to be. We're sexual. here for horny. Yeah, because you're right. The other shows do have that sort of little mask to hide behind of like. This one's for magic. This one's a story about something else. Like, but well, even yeah, get I, horny. Get, I want yeah. to be erect in the it audience. It would be really interesting to see a show where the intention seemed to be come and get horny. Yeah, <laughs> but also there was so much else going on. Yes, but there's no. But still succeeded in the horny. Yes, the short <laughs> horny shouldn't be like a fun gimmick. It should be like that's the crux of why we're here. Yeah, and the idea plus of, all this other stuff. Can you imagine if the goal of a show was to have the people leave aroused yes. and also like intellectually conflicted or something. I mean, that's that's terrific. That's how propaganda should work. <laughs> if people want to make good propaganda, get me horny and I would do anything. I think they know that. <laughs> <laughs> the people in charge of propaganda know that that's all it will take to convince you to do something terrible. Yeah, true. They've got a big file on me and most of us just nudes. <laughs> 
yeah, do you have any any questions about no, the naked I think magicians? That, that, that conversation just then I, I found very intriguing. I think you should create a show to make people horny. <laughs> and it should be called Horny. I don't know. <laughs> Born nothing. improviser. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but yeah, I, I I didn't expect it to be like as rigorously like stimulating as it was. Well, no, you don't. And no offense to the Naked Magicians, but you don't go to the show called the Naked Magicians to be. Well, I guess you do go to be stimulated, but you don't go to be like intellectually inspired. You know, <laughs> sure. You go to see magic and dicks. So. <laughs> I was also just so I was so into the crowd. Like it was just sure. Like, oh, God, like, can you imagine that show with like a dead crowd? Oh my! I I, I don't think it's possible. I just, <laughs> I'd hope not. Yeah, but no, but it was like this like half full auditorium. Like it was such a sweet little space. Mm. And the whole thing was just like somehow quite like loving and open. And uh, which is, again, it comes back to like maybe like some of my personal tastes in terms of like, if I'm going to sort of see something that's intended to be a bit sexual, I like it. I like it not feeling threatening yes. and like mad at me or <laughs> making like somehow accidentally making me feel ashamed of being there like this was just so also not like a quiet space where it's like your job is to be horny and into this yeah, yes it's like why aren't you why aren't clapping you, you horny yeah. idiot <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah, <laughs> yeah but just being like two lovely guys that just happen to be beautiful and know a bunch of magic tricks mm. and they want you to have a good time and not feel bad about enjoying how beautiful they are that's great yeah I want to see that yeah mainly because of the naked well sure <laughs> sure but yeah but I yeah recommend if you can get to one of their shows and you're into any of the things that we just talked about it's a good idea they've been to Vegas tremendous stuff terrific stuff so well done great. proud of us really well done uh, great thank you all for listening to this yeah guys yeah thanks for coming along um, great okay yeah <laughs> uh, as usual we may disagree with things that we've said on this podcast our opinions change because we're human beings yeah um, and also, please remember that friends don't let friends become theatre critics. They don't. Otherwise, they're not good friends. <laughs> uh, see you all in the next one. If you're doing any shows, let us know. Yeah, please. Oh, my God. Tell us. Invite us. We'll come to it. Yeah, comedy festival's coming up. Let comedy us festivals. know if you're doing a show. Yeah, there. please. Yeah. yeah, invite us. We'd love to see it. Yeah, we want to see some comedy and some shows. Put them together. Heaven. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, sounded sarcastic, Jake. No, I'm into it. Mm.